Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome again to Revive the Drive. I'm Pastor Art Georges, and I'm here again with Pastor Rich Burkle and Pastor Daniel Bennett. And in this session of Revive the Drive, we would like to talk about missions, missions and the local church. Guys, remember when we were growing up, that TV show that uh, was called Mission Impossible? Remember how uh, those top-notch people, uh, they were given this really important assignment, and they would be told uh, at the end of the introduction, your mission, if you choose to accept it, and I can't think of a time that I watched that show where the team ever said, well, I think we're going to pass on this particular mission, uh, this assignment. I think they always accepted the mission, and with great focus, they accomplished the mission. Are, I, I, are you sure that was a TV show? I thought it was a movie with Tom Well, Cruise. they made a movie afterwards. Oh, but that's, it used to be a TV that's, show. That's a generational wow, that's thing. Yeah, great. okay, I forgot you were a little younger. <laughs> Our Lord Jesus indicated in Luke 19.10 that he had come to humanity on a mission. His mission being stated as followed. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And similarly, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus' own stated mission was to seek and to save lost sinners, to offer them eternal life through his own sacrifice on the cross. And prior to his death, remember Jesus stated that just as the Father had sent him into the world, so also he sends those who are his followers throughout the world to continue his mission of seeking and saving lost sinners by proclaiming the gospel, the gospel of Christ's kingdom everywhere. So in this segment, let's talk about missions. What is missions? How important is it? Why should we do missions? What is the goal of our missions efforts? So, men, what is missions? How do we define missions? Well, missions is an obedience to that great commandment, uh, or the excuse me, the great commission that Jesus gave to us as a church. It's the ultimate extension of our obedience. Uh, in Acts 1.8, uh, Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes upon his people, uh, which uh, the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2, he, he said that... Uh, You'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Uh, the idea of missions began all the way back in, in Genesis, uh, and even, we could argue, before the beginning of time in the mind and heart of God, uh, that God intends to redeem peoples from every tribe and tongue and nation and language. And, and he intended Israel in the, in the Old Testament to be the light uh, for Gentile nations, to come to know God and to come to know ultimately the redemption that God was offering. That's right. I think of Isaiah 49, a very clear statement of God's uh, missional heart when he says, it's too small a thing that you, speaking of the Messiah, should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. 
That's right, Art. And as, as you ask uh, what, what missions is, that passage addresses it very well uh, because the the goal of the church isn't missions. And John Piper puts, puts it this way at the very beginning of his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Uh, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Uh, worship is. Uh, missions exist because worship doesn't. And worship is ultimate, not missions. That's right. It's all about worship. And it's all about the exaltation of God as we proclaim the gospel. It's it's not, again, primarily horizontal, although it is that, isn't it? It's awesome to be able to share the good news of the kingdom uh, with people who are completely re- removed and separated from God or living in darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of darkness, uh, spiritual darkness, is true of every person born in this world. Uh, we three have been were born in the United States, and in the United States, what a great blessing to grow up in a place, in a country, in a nation where even culturally there was a there was a sense, a certain sense of the gospel. So, mm-hmm. uh, when uh, Art and I were, were growing up, Daniel, um, <laughs> we go on. <laughs> we actually had Christmas and Easter break. You know that that uh, that the uh, schools. Uh, continued to to talk about Good Friday and and talk about uh, some of these religious holidays as religious holidays and even Christmas program often included mm-hmm. some Christmas carols and that sort of thing and and yes. I know that's that's changing um, but uh, but what a blessing to grow up still in a, an environment where the gospel is somewhat at least uh, um, evident in a culture now there are many people all throughout the world still today, who would not know anything at all of the Bible and of Jesus. And so while everyone is born into spiritual darkness, there are some places that are particularly dark spiritually Mm -hmm. in that they don't have even the opportunity or the availability of the Scriptures and of the Gospel. And, And so as a person who realizes, without the Gospel, I'm lost, and I'm not just lost for today, I'm lost forever and ever. Um... It is first our love for God, because God deserves to be honored everywhere. <laughs> Jesus deserves to be proclaimed as king. He's worthy of that. But also uh, this horizontal motivation as well is part of that, of our love for people, that uh, they're missing out on the very purpose of their existence. Mm. Yeah, what a profound statement that Paul makes in Ephesians chapter 2 when he says of the Gentiles that before they heard the gospel, he says, you formerly... Uh, you were uh, without hope, and you were uh, without God in the world. And so it is our focus on missions that is an extension to uh, those who are locked in unbelief of the hope that they can have in Christ Jesus. Well, and, and how can we as a church know what we know and believe what we believe and not do everything in a, possible in our power to get the gospel to people who have never heard. I, I uh, when I was uh, in high school and college, I, I was deeply impacted through some missionary biographies, and and one of those was Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. And I always remember, uh, here was this man growing up in England, uh, just burdened for the people of China. And one of the stories is when he he came to this particular uh, village in China where the gospel had never been proclaimed, and he uh, was sharing the gospel that there was a person who came to know Christ. And that person, with tears in his eyes, asked Hudson Taylor, he says, why? Why didn't someone come sooner? Mm. Why did it take so long? He says, my grandfather 
father did not hear the gospel? And that's a great question, isn't it? Why aren't we more Mm. uh, impassioned and committed to seeing that the gospel would be proclaimed to people all through the world? Absolutely. Daniel, I love that quote that you uh, read by John Piper, and Mm. it does rightly orient us in our view of missions. Again, he said, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. So in other words, uh, God is looking for those who would worship him in spirit and truth. His great focus is to send those who believe to those who are still locked in darkness and unbelief that God might receive their worship. He's worthy of it, uh, and he's alone worthy of it. And so missions exist because worship doesn't. That's what Piper says there. Right. Um, and, and he says that uh, missions will not abide forever. There will come a point uh, in, in the eternal state where we'll no longer be evangelizing because uh, it, will be, it will be finished. The redeemed will have all been gathered in, but worship will abide forever. What a great, great thought. And it's a great way to orient uh, all the perspectives in our life as we think about, you know, why why has God uh, placed us where he has and trusted us with the blessings that he has? Well, part of the answer is missions, but why do missions? Well, to glorify God. In Psalm 67, uh, the psalmist says, may, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. In other words, he, he he's asking for physical blessings here. At the end of the uh, psalm, he says, the earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. He's talking about God providing us with physical blessings. Then he says in verse 2, so that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you. Judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the nations, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And so all of our focus, our drive and missions is so that mm-hmm. the nations will glorify and praise and bless the name of our Lord God. Well, and that's God's heart as well. That's God's purpose. Uh, mm. God is passionate for his own glory. Uh, I love Psalm 23 for a lot of reasons, but uh, it tells us why God restores our soul and leads us in paths of righteousness. Mm. It says that he restores my soul, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Mm. It's for the sake of his own name that he redeems people. Mm-hmm. That he leads people, that he restores people, that he grants us righteousness, and and uh, uh, again, it it is that vertical goal that I think is is uh, absolutely central to what God is communicating to us through His Word, and yet is often left in the shadows of our lives, and it, it's it's hard to pull that goal back almost on as you mentioned, Daniel, almost every every sphere of our life. That is to be it. Paul would even say. Even when you eat and drink, well, why do you eat and drink? Well, it's, it's vertical. It's for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. I ate lunch today, and I ate lunch because I was hungry, and I, I wanted some sustenance for my body. But did I eat, eat that lunch because I wanted to glorify God through that very act? And, mm. and so God relates everything to himself, and certainly it's so vital for us as a church to think about missions in view of God's name first. And then, of course, there are horizontal, our, our love our neighbor type of uh, issues to attend to, but it's first love God. 
This uh, may seem like an odd question. It may seem like uh, something that is just a no-brainer, but I think we need to consider it. How should the local church think about missions? How important is missions to the local church? Well, I don't think the local church can think of, it, of itself apart from missions. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's part of our identity. Right. Uh, it's, it's part of our charter. It, it's, uh, without missions, why does the church even exist? Are, are we a social club to, to get together and have a good time with each other? Well, we're not. And uh, uh, we are set upon the earth uh, for the very purpose of magnifying the Lord Jesus not only in our community, but all throughout the world. And and as we think about missions, then, one of the um, aspects, I think, that confronts us in our, in our culture related to missions is the church's connection to missions. Uh, we see individuals' connections to missions, but it's almost as though many times missionaries become sort of independent contractors. Mm-hmm. They feel, well, this is what I want to do with my life and, and for the glory of the Lord, and then they go off and... and uh, if the church supports them, that's great, that's desired, uh, but really it's an individual being removed from the community of faith, from God's new society uh, as they go into uttermost parts. And and I don't see that in the book of Acts. I, I, I see that missions is very much part of the, the very mm-hmm. life of the local church and never separate from it. That's good. That's very good. And it's the it's the local church that uh, commissions Paul and Barnabas for the the first missionary journey that we have recorded in the book of Acts. It's in Acts uh, thirteen, uh, the Holy Spirit as as the the people in the church in Antioch are, are gathered together, the, specifically the prophets and teachers. Uh, the Holy Spirit uh, said, "Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them." And so after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and, and sent them off. And so it's it's the local church that commissions people for the, the gospel ministry. And it's it's only the local church that has been promised by God to have all the resources necessary to equip missionaries. It's only the local church that God has said uh, has the spiritual gifts necessary to uh, help missionaries do the task that God has called them to do. Well, and, and the individuals who ultimately go out from the local church are gifts from God to the church so that the church might be able to glorify God, Jesus, together. Um, uh, we, we don't see this individual uh, uh, mentality or concentration anywhere in the Bible. We, we always see that uh, when a person's born, born again, they're added to their number. They're added to the number of the church. They're mm-hmm. born into a family. And then it's that family that does the work through the individuals. And, and so missionaries, they are such precious gifts to the church to help the church uh, reach the world with the gospel of Jesus. So why should, along those same lines, why should the local church consider missions as its responsibility rather than entrusting missions to a parachurch ministry or a missions agency uh, instead of just giving the gifts, as you just mentioned, to these agencies and and sort of moving on to the next thing? Well, because it's, you know, as we've already said a little bit, it's it's the, the church that's been uh, told by God, this is what you're to do. This is why you exist. You exist to... Uh, prepare people to to worship me forever, and so uh, the church uh, cannot delegate 
those responsibilities uh, to a group that God hasn't entrusted with that. And the the parachurch, I don't think we should um, uh, minimize the the impact in the kingdom that they can have. That the parachurch is a a uh, great resource that can come along and, and equip the, the church with some of the resources for the church to do its its task more efficiently. But I think what we have to constantly be asking ourselves is, does that parachurch uh, organization exist uh, because uh, the church has fallen down in some areas and needs to pick those those back up, or is it, or is it a, a supplementary ministry? I know that sometimes uh, people have, have felt frustrated with the what they feel are the confines of the local church. And so they've they've said, well, instead of dealing through the the God ordained process by which to do missions, I'm going to go off and I'm going to do this 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 parachurch ministry instead. And I think we as a church have to be careful not to enable that that process to to exist. Mm-hmm. And I believe that missions agencies and parachurch organizations can be very very helpful in uh, helping the church, strengthening the church. But uh, that there is a danger that the missions agencies become. Uh, or the parachurch organizations become an entity in themselves disconnected mm. largely from the church. And at that point, the local church becomes largely irrelevant. It, uh, it, it It's not significant in the area of missions or specific ministries, whether it's a campus ministry on high school or college campuses or, or reaching the poor. Uh, it's no longer the church that becomes the focus. And I, I believe that that will always be a diminishment of the name of Jesus because the church is the body of Christ, mm. and there is no other institution that is the body of Christ except the church, the local church, uh, that's defined very specifically in the Scripture uh, by God. And uh, so when other uh, organizations take the place of the church as opposed to come alongside to strengthen the church, then ultimately I believe that the kingdom of God suffers for that. Mm. That's interesting. Very good. How does the church's involvement in the life of missionaries help to protect the doctrine, the teachings that that missionary would carry uh, to the mission field, be it near or far? Well, as, as we've said, the the responsibilities one of the one of the responsibilities of of the church is uh, to do those things that God has entrusted to it. And one of the things that God has entrusted to the leaders of the church is a protection of, of sound teaching. You look at the responsibilities of an elder in, in 2 Timothy and Titus. And in Acts 15, you have that council coming together as uh, they, they hear of Gentile conversions and, and what responsibility the Gentiles have and do they need to convert to Judaism in order to be uh, to be true converts? Uh, in order to become Christian, do you have to first become Jewish? And so, it's the local church uh, coming together that's able to uh, rectify that misunderstanding of the gospel. And apart from uh, apart from utilizing the local church that God has entrusted with the, the task of protecting sound teaching, uh, that that uh, that that wouldn't take place. And, and every Christian is a person born uh, by God, uh, by God's Spirit, into authority. <laughs> and, and that's an important thing for us all to have spiritual authority in our lives. Uh, so that, for instance, if I started going down a path doctrinally that did not uh, square with what the Scriptures teach, I'm thankful that I have a spiritual authority in my life that would come alongside of me and make that path very difficult for me. Or if I began to follow down a path uh, in terms of my my uh, life practice, 
I'm thankful that I have an authority that's committed to me who would say, I'm going, we're going to make that path very difficult for you to continue down. And, and that's true for a missionary on the field. They need that kind of a authority in their life to help them and also to add the support of prayer, encouragement, support, uh, uh, fellowship. That's good. Oftentimes in, in the local church, we'll hear the voice of some who question a focus on foreign missions, uh, thinking that there is enough to do locally, so why should we send, why should we spend to send missionaries to the foreign mission field? Talk a little about uh, your views about uh, uh, both the near and the far efforts of missions. Well, I think it, it, it's, a, it's not an either or, it's a, it's a both and, and you look at uh, Jesus' words to the disciples, that he calls them to reach local, regional, and and to the remotest parts of, of the world. And so to uh, neglect any of those aspects of ministry is, is to not obey uh, Christ's instruction there. Right. And it's difficult to understand even actually how a believer can think that way, a believer who's read the Scripture, <laughs> because it, it runs so contrary to the heart of God, mm. to God's mission, to God's salvation in our own lives. Who are we that we would receive salvation? And then to say we're going to hold on to it and, and, and keep it to ourselves. I, I, uh, I think of that uh, story in the Old Testament of the two lepers who uh, uh, the Assyrians were uh, starving out the, the, the Israelites, and they had this huge camp, and uh, the lepers finally said, well, let's go back into the Assyrian camp. They might kill us. But if they kill us, at least we won't die slowly of starvation. Let's go there and see if they'll give us some food. Well, they went to the Assyrian camp, and the, and the night before, the Lord had caused the Assyrians to flee in fear. And they fled without any of their supplies. And so here was, there was this huge storehouse of food, and, and the lepers were eating and eating and eating. And they had to ask the question, well, is it right for us not to go back and tell? And they realized it would be wrong for us after having feasted so much it would be wrong for us to keep it to ourselves. And, and a, a person who would say, let's, let's only uh, hold on to the local and, and not, the, uh, uh, not the worldwide uh, vision of God for the world, first thinks of God as very small, mm-hmm. that God is very limited in what he, what he can provide, and secondly, uh, does not love his or her neighbor. Mm-hmm. Revelation, uh, there's a song sung in heaven in Revelation 4, and it's, it's, uh, I believe it's the elders and the four living creatures that fall down, and they say, uh, worthy are you, they say this to, to the, uh, they say, say this new song to the Lamb, saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And so the question there is, well, does that just mean that as a bunch of people are saved, you get a bunch of people from every tribe and and tongue and nation? Or is part of God's salvific plan to bring together people from every tribe and tongue Mm -hmm. and nation Mm -hmm. and and people? And and I believe that it is part of his intent to not just have large numerical worship, but to have a diversity in, in worship. That's great. And so to reject, reject going to the remotest parts of the world rejects that purpose. And, and truly, from Christ's perspective, as he uh, was preparing to ascend into heaven, uh, we are part of the uttermost parts of the world, wouldn't you say? That's a good <laughs> Right. Um, That's right. 
maybe our listeners haven't thought about this before, but uh, would would you encourage our listeners that our missions efforts can actually speed the return of Christ in, in some way? Does Scripture make uh, allusions to that in any way? Yeah, you think of Second uh, Peter uh, chapter three, and in Second Peter. Three, beginning in verse nine, it says, "The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises; some count slowness, but is patient toward you, uh, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." Uh, then he talks about, "But the day of the Lord will come; it's going to come like a thief. The heavens will pass away with a roar." And verse eleven, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in, in uh, lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day, the coming of the day of God? And so the idea there is that. The, God's delay is uh, is an act of kindness and mm-hmm. grace, mm-hmm. and that as, as people live holy lives, it can, can hasten his return, and, and presumably that, that includes the task of evangelizing as, as God waits in, in patience for all those whose names are written in the book of life to uh, repent and, and place their faith in Christ. That's good. That's good. So as we uh, as we grow more and more weary of this, sin-cursed world, although we have great joys and great blessings in this life, uh, we, we ought to long for the coming of our Savior, for the return. And, and what can we do to hasten that? Well, Jesus says that this gospel must be proclaimed to all the nations, and then the end will come. And so when I hear of these uh, unreached tribes or languages that do not have the scriptures yet, I think, wow, that's something that we as the local church could put an emphasis upon in giving to see uh, the scriptures translated into languages so that all may hear and then Christ will come. Amen. I'm not talking about Harold Camping and uh, May 21st. <laughs> I'm just saying that uh, there seems to be a connection to our effort to uh, proclaim the gospel uh, near and far and the coming of Christ. What are some recent convictions of our own churches, uh, the Bethany Fellowship of Churches, on effective missions activities? Uh, what are some ways that uh, we can be uh, churches that are caught up in missions both near and far? Well, uh, you know, one of the things we're most excited about is, is that God is raising up people and and providing us with people who are willing and capable and equipped to go out uh, onto the mission field mm-hmm. and, and sent missionaries from our church are are particularly precious to us, the church, as they uh, would be to to any church that uh, sees the development of a person's life and then and then extension of that development into a ministry that that reaches places we 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 would not be able to from from our locale. Uh, also, uh, we're excited about. Uh, connecting with nationals, so we we have several national ministers that we've gotten to know very well and trust uh, that we're very excited about because we we see that the the language and cultural barriers and and even uh, frankly the uh, uh, the financial uh, need is so much less for a national to minister to their own people than than for us to send someone and so so that's very exciting and then of course uh, just locally uh, just church planting is is one of the uh, ways in which we realize the kingdom of God's not about us; it's it's about Jesus, and and how can we advance His name? Hmm. That's good. Yeah, you think about as as you talked about earlier, our our church is realizing more and more the importance of of local church ministry, and that's not just 
our local church being involved in missions, but our local church working to equip other local churches. And so our, our task isn't to start some ministry over in a, in a foreign land or, or even locally, but our our goal is to uh, plant and establish and strengthen local churches. Hmm. That's good. Well, thanks so much for uh, speaking into this important issue of missions, a vital aspect of the local church. We trust that you're edified by this discussion, and we pray that your heart would be warmed to uh, be involved in missions. 